Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Dying Alive podcast. We're smiling like a butcher's dog. This week, we got some games to recap. Talk about two uh, games that only produced one point, uh, and we're all mad about it, and it's not fair. Uh, more injuries on the horizon, and it's always unfortunate when that happens. Uh, and we have news. We have an announcement. And we're going to take your correspondence. This is the Dying Alive podcast. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined, as always, by my friends, Mike Darnay of Pennsburg.com. Say hello, Michael. Hello. What's up? Pat Damp of Pennsblog.com. Say hello, Patrick. Hello, gentlemen. Dying Alive is now part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Oh! oh wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that's the news. That's, that, that's big news. We have a home. That is the news. Somebody liked us. Somebody liked us enough to want to adopt us. And I can't say enough about how cool the new artwork looks. Dude. It's dope. The kids would say it's dope. I think I think I want to get it on a hat or a sweatshirt, personally. Uh, I w- I'm down for merch. If I'm we, down. Yeah. If we could get that logo on a shirt or a sweatshirt, I would buy both of them. No questions asked. Pat, I want you to get that logo as a chest piece. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> let's see how many listeners we get and uh maybe we're really gonna have to shrink it down yeah you know but it's it's all about proportions though it's not you know because you're small so, so instead of fundraising people to go to church with me i'm gonna fundraise people to pay for pat to get a chess piece of the dying alive artwork let's do both yeah let's have not? let's have the chess piece done outside the church <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, here's the thing. We're happy to be here. Uh, we're here alongside the guys uh, from Penn Ultimate Podcast, um, Yen's Above Replacement. Uh, look, here's the thing. There's all kinds of shows on this, on this network. All of them are good. We're just happy to be here. We're just here so we don't get fined. Exactly. We somehow stumbled our way into this, and now we got a new dad. So, hey, good for us. <laughs> yeah, no, but on a real note, like, you know, when we started this, like, it was basically just three friends who like talking hockey decided to yeah, throw, it's, throw, it's throw some mics on and all of a sudden. Three people who like talking hockey. You it's, know what, man? Just, you uh, called us friends at the top. I'm using your words. Yeah, this but that's a year, it's a year later we became friends. It's the journey along the way that was the most fun. And so the podcast is just the friends we made along the way, huh? Just guys yeah. being dudes. <laughs> just guys being dudes. 
Um, I, and I'm not trying to be a shithead when I say this. I'm honestly not. And this is not like going to be like I'm not subtweeting like anybody when I say this. But if you think about it, like okay, the athletic I get it is newer. But you think about it, it's like Josh, uh, Rob, myself. We've all been like doing this for a really long time. Penn's blog's been around forever. Pennsburg been around forever. It's a good, it's a good holy trinity of Pittsburgh uh, sports. Yeah, I mean, Sprots. I've I've said Sprots. I've said myself that things are better when everyone gets along. It's not good for the coverage of the Penguins when everybody's fighting with one another. I don't want to ever have a full dipe. I'm just being honest about it. I yeah. don't. I don't want to do it. Drew Doughty is a full dipe. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, uh, b- big news alert over. We're going to get into the hockeys uh, specifically. Two games uh, over the course of the last uh, – since we've last done a show. Uh, Penguins lose in overtime um, on Mike Smith's, uh, you know, just freak out, uh, you know, out of this world performance. Cor- uh, not to interrupt you, but correct me if I'm wrong. The most saves a Penguins opponent goaltender has made – Second highest of all time, I believe Bob Grove said. That sounds right. When if Bob Grove said it, it's it's true. If Bob I, Grove said it, it's I think right. I think it was second second most of all time in Penguins history. If Bob Grove tweeted out like Jesse Marshall's jerk per sixty is the highest of any person in the world, I'd be like, what am I going to do? Like, goddamn it! Like, it's Bob Grove. We got to get him on the show. Absolutely. We got to get Gentilly on the show because we got to talk about Coconut Gate. We talked Ooh, about yeah, that we last do. week. Um, we got to get Grover on the show. I'm waiting for Penguins Hurricanes because we got to get Sibby Buckets on the show. Yeah, definitely someone we got to get on. Anyway, uh, any thoughts on the Oilers game? Brian Dumoulin, dad strength. It exists. Fight me. Okay, it's did a he, real thing. So, you so have a baby. Did he score the goal before the baby came, though? I don't know that that matters. I've been thinking about it. You got to think like there was a labor in process at the time. <laughs> I don't know what the rule. I, here's the thing: I'm not. I don't. A. I'm not a dad. B. I don't make the rules on dad strength. I don't make the rules. I don't I, know what I'm. I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna go with you and call it a dad strength goal. Yeah. Why not? Okay. I'm glad to hear this. I, I was. I'm worried that I was getting a little bit of pushback on that. Um, so he's got one goal on the year. Uh, under over under that we had at the beginning of the season was four and a half. You, I, I tell you what, you could have put the over-under on a Brian Dumoulin shorthanded goal at minus 10, and I will, <laughs> still would have said under. <laughs> that would have not been a winner, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I'm still taking the under. It's one goal. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have a rate of being an offensive juggernaut, but he chips in every now and then, so I'm sticking with the under. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm probably going to stay there, too, to be to be completely honest with you. Um, but that was again so okay. Process over results, right? We want to talk about uh, behaviors. Uh, well, well, the one thing I will say is, for as much of a meme as Mike Smith has become, with the whole like, oh, Mike Smith's still in the league. Oh, Mike Smith, this that. He is good for two to three games like this every season. Mark it down. He has two three games where he is absolutely and unequivocally unbeatable and we spun the wheel and Saturday's game against the Oilers is where it landed. Yeah. He made 51 saves on 52 shots. If, if you told me the Penguins would go into any game and have 52 shots on goal, you take it regardless of the result. Yeah. I would agree with that. 
Um, let's just get right to this. Look, the Oilers game, what I was trying to say is it was what it was. Uh, it was a game the Penguins should have won. It's one of those things where uh, shooting percentage is a cruel, uh, it's a cruel dick sometimes. And it was that day. Uh yeah. yeah, and we yeah. had and we had uh, we had Laura. We got, oh wait, Pat, not to interrupt you, not to interrupt you. You know what the biggest takeaway from that game is? The fact that the that that McDavid pairing, um, that line. Um, okay, look, success in overtime aside, at even strength in the regular part of the hockey game, uh, they were held to only three, <clears throat> I believe it was, uh, shot attempts. Yeah, I mean you're you're talking about a a one line team that has dominated the league. That the Penguins held at bay. Collective consciousness, Jesse. That's where I was going with that. Well, I, great minds. Yeah, think alike. But, but we had Laura, say. who shout out to her for always doing notes for the show. It's always an enjoyable thing to see on Twitter. But we talked about that last week, where we said that Brian Dumoulin is really good at negating guys like Connor McDavid just because he plays a sound defensive game. And that's what he did against the Oilers in the Connor McDavid Connor McDavid line. Yeah, I, I mean, one hundred percent. This brings us to another point, though, right? Because the Penguins have that performance uh, against the McDavid line, but then when you look at the bigger picture of the team, right? Like from a Grant and I tweeted these numbers out. This is pre Bruins game, so you know this may have slightly changed since then but the gist of it stays the same uh the penguins were fourth in uh the nhl in their even strength ability to limit shot attempts fifth in the nhl in their uh ability to to mitigate expected goals or again you know scoring chance shot quality sixth in the nhl in their ability to mitigate raw scoring chances so i don't care like what slice of the pie you want to cut up and eat uh, what the what the return says right now is that the Penguins are a really good defensive hockey team, really good, like top third of the league, top half of the top third, uh, and that's that's really what it comes down to. That performance uh, against McDavid was a slice of a, a much bigger pie uh, that included a team, you know, I think being better defensively, top to bottom. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think an underrated part if we go back a few years to when they won their back-to-back Stanley Cups. They were a sneakily good defensive team. They were known for how good their forecheck was, how good their offense was. Obviously, you had the HBK line who just lit the league on fire. Sid was at the top of his game. Gino was playing out of his mind. But Murray was slightly above league average goaltending in those runs, but the team was really good at limiting scoring chances, basically making it one and done for the opposition, and just playing really well defensively, but it flew under the radar because of all the big scoring, uh, the big scoring that they got out of their their big guns. So, I mean, if you're a Penguins fan watching this team right now, that's a really, really encouraging sign. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate part of it is, and let's just get right to the the the, the catch here. If Crystal Tang is out for any extended period of time, that kind of just shits on everything we just said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we just have to record a whole new show uh, with a lot of crying and gnashing of the teeth. <laughs> Crystal Tang's been good this year. Um, can we you know, can we not... can we can we talk about his pass in the the Boston game? Oh yeah, we're going to get to the Boston game. We're going to get to the Boston game. 
whole body of work. Um, and I don't know that I would put Latang in the in the top five for the Norris this year or anything yet, but um, top ten, yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think he's been that good. Um, that top pairing is is always been described, I think, as analytically elite. That hasn't changed this year, um, and and, it, and not having him, you know, despite the the, the struggles on the power play, um, not having him is is leaving a giant minutes hole in this lineup. Yeah, I think that's like the, that's the biggest issue when he leaves the lineup is just the sheer minutes he eats up more so than anything because I think Sullivan again has this team playing within the structure he wants them to play in and I think with that in mind I think they can mitigate some of the losses but that's the biggest thing that they lose is a guy who can regularly regularly eat up between 26 and 30 minutes a night and that's really really hard to replace for sure um we get to uh the uh let's just we'll get right into the bruins game here um best game of the year yeah despite the result yeah i mean they most entertaining let me rephrase that most entertaining game of the year yeah they they started the game typical td garden fashion looks like they're gonna gonna get run out of the building end up coming back and taking a lead and then lose anyway Ten goals scored in a game. It was entertaining. So this, there's a lot that happened in this one. So let's just dissect this bit by bit. Uh, goaltending sucked. That's okay. It happens sometimes. It doesn't happen all the time. The Penguins have been, they've gotten average goaltending this year. I mean, I think Jari's been above average slightly. Um, slightly in his limited performances, but it's hard for me to complain about what Matt Murray has done this year. Uh, but they, that one was a stinker. Let's call it what it was. Probably a different result. Uh, if things break differently from a goaltending perspective, and I don't think anybody can probably disagree with that. Right. Yeah. And I, and, yeah. and every, every goalie has that night, regardless of who they are. The greats have those nights where it's just, you're not, you don't, you have a night where it's just, nothing's working for you. And, Unfortunately, the Bruins game was that night for Matt Murray. And, I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, shit. Brain fart. Who the hell was playing for Boston? Halak. Halak. He wasn't much better, if we're calling it what it is. Yeah, yeah no, like, I mean, like the, he like could have easily the, gotten yanked. Yeah, the first 10, 15 minutes, it looked like the Penguins were getting halaked, and then he looked <laughs> average at best after that. Yeah, the first the first period. Oh, whoa, Mike, what did you just get attacked by? I don't, some kind of bug. There's a bug that just, folks. Breaking news here on the podcast: a bug is attacked, Mike. I, Your I arm was flailing there, man. You were playing tennis. No, but it was like right in front of my eyes. So. Yeah, no, it came right before I saw it. Well, I didn't see it, but I knew something was there. I send them my finest thoughts and prayers. Now, let me tell you what, though. Hell of, hell of a nice reflex. Got to have Thank those you. reflexes, which Halak didn't really have on a couple. No, of No, he didn't have them. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so there's that. We get that out of the way. Great. We have that discussion. I'm not particularly concerned about goaltending. No, there's no honest. reason to be. Yeah, got bigger fish to fry here. Uh, gotta get to Nick Bugstad's first goal. Mike, proceed. The goal itself was nice, but the, <clears throat> I mean, part of it came as a, bad change for the Bruins, but the way Latang had the puck in his own end, 
he was pretty deep in his own defensive end and that signature head up pass that he makes and it it found Bukestad right on the tape at the opposing blue line breakaway nice glove side goal and 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 it it needs to be said that like for the flack that Nick Bugstad has caught so far this year, deserved or undeserved, there is something to be said for a guy finally getting his name on the score sheet and helping his season turn around. Because all things considered, so far this season, Nick Bugstad has been pedestrian at best. Even though he was hurt. I, I know he was hurt. But when he's been in the lineup, it's it hasn't been a great, great return. But... Getting on the score sheet, as we'll talk about with another player like Dominic Cahoon, it can really help turn a guy's game around from a level of confidence because you can kind of see it when guys aren't getting the results they want. They're trying to do a little bit too much. They're trying to do a little more than they have within their skill set, and I think some of that can be said for Bukestad. I just, like, to me, I'm, I'm just so, amb- like, it's, it's not a thing to me because it, he hasn't played enough. Oh, I, I don't totally disagree. You know, it's like, I, I mean, like, people are like, and, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but, like, I get this vitriol on Twitter about Nick Bugstad, and I don't, like, get it, but I guess everything else is fine enough that that's where we're at when we're not fighting about Dominic Simone. So. Yeah, well, that, yeah it's, that, like, it's like if you're complaining about a guy who hasn't really played yet this season, then things are okay. Well, and that's also kind of a victim of uh, circumstance to where – or not a victim of circumstance, a victim of expectation. You expect more out of them. You're not quite getting it, and it it, it instantly turns into this big negative. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Dominic Cahoon. Um, I was kind of surprised he got scratched. He responded well to it, though. Yeah. No, I mean, he did. Yeah. I mean, that was... I mean, uh, I, I, I agree, though. I wasn't expecting him to be scratched, but he, he did bounce back well i mean cahoon and I've, I've said this before is kind of like a microcosm of um you know the rest of the penguins in that um some nights it's just not been there and it hasn't gone in i mean that's just the reality of the situation i don't think that uh it's been for any lack of chances um you know it's the old law averages thing right I and mean, you keep knocking on the door and it's going to open up uh, eventually yeah, and, then, and if it doesn't yeah. you just build a door <laughs> and I mean, I mean, you look at the few of the goals he scored. He had a few easy tap-ins. The goal in the Bruins game was like a weird angle goal that I wouldn't have expected somebody to score from. So, I mean, some go in, some don't. That's just kind of how it works. Um, power play. It's not scoring any goals. No, at all. It, like, like. And and they could have used him in the boss. <laughs> they could have used one. So, so what's the, what's the solution? I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, I asked first. You did. Um, it, you, I mean, <laughs> so I don't know, right? Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think a lot of what what is what has gone on in the early portion of this season is really just to to borrow a line from the. Philadelphia 76ers is just trust the process like they're doing everything right and you have to hope that eventually it's going to turn around which 
one thinks it will. Like I haven't seen anything egregious with the power play for why it's not working. Like I'm not. I think I think sometimes Pat, because I've said the same thing, and then I thought about it, um, and I do think sometimes they have a zone entry problem. But Malkin also just got back, so how will that change? You know, is I guess the question. Uh, But I think if they have a quote unquote struggle, um, it's you know getting getting the puck into the zone. Here's some here's some data from Natural Stat Trick about the Penguins' power play. Tenth in the league in its ability, uh, well, in its expected goals for per sixty on any power play scenario. Tenth in the league. Um, on that front, which, you know, Hey, it's tough to complain about that. Um, and then from a shot generation perspective, ninth in the league, um, as far as their ability to, to generate shots, uh, raw scoring chances, they are seventh. So to your point, Pat, these aren't bad numbers. These aren't numbers indicative of a team, uh, struggling, uh, to try to get things going. Um, it's indicative of a team that's snake bitten more than anything else. Right. And, and we've seen it before with Penguins power plays, even in the Crosby era, where they just look disjointed. They're not getting looks. They're struggling to get into the zone. And you just look at it and go, something's got to change. Something's got to change. This isn't that. This is just the pucks aren't going in. And you have to hope that. They keep doing what they're doing, and eventually the dam breaks. Yeah, it's like a, a week from now, they'll be on the power play and score. They'll be back on the power play, and they score again. And it's like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. After that game was over, Mike Sullivan was, like, super hypersensitive about, like, defending the team in, like, what I thought was an environment where that was kind of unnecessary. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone was really, like, criticizing the performance um but he like i felt went out of his way to kind of go to bat for the whole group um and and like let's be honest like well deserved i think um you know it's it just sucks that that result went the way that it did but uh for them to do what they did in a tough building against a good really good hockey team with Let's be honest. The best line in the league right now. I'd argue. Um, how I'd, line. I'd argue probably the best team in hockey right now. Sure. I mean, that, that's the thing is, if you, it's difficult for me to dispute that. So, I mean, I mean the fact of the matter is, at three zero, I was expecting like a seven one eight one laugher of a game that you just try to brush aside. The fact that they had the resolve to battle back and be up four three says a lot about the way this team is built. Yeah, and and well, the way, I mean, the way that they're built mentally, that that twenty minutes, you know, in the second period was the most dominant uh, they'd looked all year long. Mike Sullivan was kind of uh, talking about that too, in the sense that he said it wasn't limited to the second, and he thought the third period uh, had you know shared a lot of similarities, and there were a lot of things that went, uh, you know, that could have broke their way uh, that didn't. Uh, that you know potentially change the outcome of the game as well. So, wasn't really you know for him just a third or second excuse me a second period thing. It was really like the second two thirds of the game. I would also argue first uh, to kind of build on what I said there about the best team in hockey. I can't remember who it was. Um, 
I'd have to go back and find out. But somebody, I saw somebody say that the Boston Bruins in the start of this season are playing like a team that knows they should have won the Stanley Cup but didn't. Mm-hmm. But also, I think what Sullivan was doing wasn't for the media or the fans or anything like that. It was to send a message to his team to say, like, don't get discouraged about this. Don't get up in arms about this. Don't be worried about what happened tonight. You're doing the right things. You're playing well, and the results are going to come. I think he's defending the team from a sense to where you know there's going to be some critiques coming after a game like that, but drown it out. Just shut it out and realize we're doing the right things. The process is there. We're going we're gonna to have results sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have got to talk about John Marino. I mean, that's all you. You wrote a goddamn masterpiece today. How many, how many words was that? Like 1450. That's good. Yeah. It's like right in the sweet spot, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it, go... it's not long form, but it's not, yeah. not a quick read either. You don't want to put the people to sleep. No, but I mean, you you hit the <laughs> you hit the nail on the head with it, like like because there's a lot of reasons to be impressed by him, and I think because he's a defenseman and not a forward, it's a lot harder to put your finger on why he's been so impressive, and I think you really broke that down well. Well, thank you, and and I do, <laughs> and I do think that there's there's refined elements to his game, man. That's it. That's the only way you could put it. It's it's like things that he does in, in a poise and in, in like a veteran awareness that you know you just don't see. Aside from goaltending, because goaltending's you know its own beast, and I never feel like I'm even qualified to talk about it because uh, it's voodoo. Um, but if we think about the hardest position to play as a young player with no professional experience. Pat, it's unequivocally defense, right? Like center's tough. Sure, you're going to have like full, you know, two-way experience, but defense is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, like like they always talk about you draft a defenseman they take longer to develop. Right. Yeah, in a similar manner, like uh, me and Mike were talking yesterday because we were – watching like high we were we went out to get lunch we were watching highlights like whatever wherever we were of NFL players and we were we ended up talking about the Steelers and we said how like oh man Bud Dupree like what a year he's having and sim- like one of the rare comparisons you can make to NFL to NHL is it takes longer for defensive players to blossom than it does offensive players like because there's so much more that you have to learn. So, like, you know, like your your TJ Watts, your Minka Fitzpatrick's, your Chris Letang's, your uh, Brent Burns, guys like that, who are like Brent Burns is a bad example because he played forward, but you know what I mean. Like, they rarely pop the first year or two because they're learning how to play a defensive game at the highest level. So that's why I think, like, what, what, like the way you've broken it down, why it's so impressive how well John Marino has played, because you don't expect a first or second or maybe even third year defenseman in the NHL to make this much of an impact, because it takes so much longer to learn the game at the NHL level. 
Sure does, yeah. And, and not to mention the physical difference, the size difference of the players you're facing, um, the, the level of speed. I mean, everything changes. Um, he he just doesn't play afraid. You know, I, I wrote that, you know, you think about the foundation of good gap control and what that looks like. Um, you know, they say when, you know, if you're a defenseman, right, you're going, you're skating backwards, you get a forward coming at you. When he crosses his defensive blue line coming into the neutral zone, you want three step lengths. At the red line, you want two. At the defensive blue line, you want, you know, theory, I guess, a half stick length slash physical contact, you know, one stick length at the very least. And the video I put in the article, it's like textbook, man, you know. And he just does it over and over and over again. And it's not just that he has a good gap and then he closes his gap. When when he gets to that like sort of like critical point, the oh shit moment that exists between the defenseman and the forward, um, he's, he attacks. Uh, it's not like a passive, pensive way of playing hockey. It really just reminds me of Paul Martin. I'm, I, I know that he's probably way more physical than Paul Martin ever was. Um, but the way he, he skates and distributes it, I thought it was cool that Mike Sullivan, you know, I, I always mention that Mike Sullivan will give you a lot of tropes, but then the meat in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. the, the meat in the middle this time was talking about John Marino's outlet <laughs> passing. And he was talking, you know, about how the way the breakout works and says, John Marino, um, the best way I, I described, I think I could describe it is, is that John Marino is a quarterback, Right. He's, but, throwing. he's the best Marino quarterback to come from Pittsburgh. <laughs> very similar uh, to his, very, si- very similar to that. Yeah. Very similar to his cousin, his cousin, Dan, who you may have heard of. Um, but no, in, in, it's like some defensemen when they're making an outlet pass out of the defensive zone. I'm, this is not what Mike Sullivan said, by the way, I'm, you know, painting a picture when they are passing the puck out of the defensive zone. Uh, they do so before the breakout has had an opportunity to really develop the way it needs to. And, and the way I equate it is it's like a quarterback who throws the football before the route's over or like the, the yeah, receiver's yeah. going to break in, he's going to run a corner and he's going to break and you've thrown the ball before he has an opportunity to do that. He hasn't even turned around yet. Yeah. And that, and that works as long as everybody's on the same page. Well, then what I was getting at is, is that more often than not, it doesn't work at all. Um, you know, if you're a quarterback and you're throwing footballs, your receiver hasn't turned around for yet. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna turn right, and you're throwing it to where he is. That's problematic. John Marino's leading the receiver, right, putting it on the right shoulder. Um, Mike Sullivan talked about how you know mostly every team guys in the NHL runs some kind of system that has a pocket in the middle, right? Like even the Penguins, they run a one-two-two, right? Okay, well, if they run a two-two in the back, and there's two players stacked on top of each other. It's a square. That means there's space in the middle of the square, right? Like that's the area you attack. You go to where the space is. And that's what Mike Sullivan said. He said he attacks the soft area in the center of the ice um, really well for a player who hasn't been in the league for very long. And he also keeps a gap that, and I quote, uh, he closes, and I quote, as good as any defenseman on the team. That's pretty high praise, man. Like we're going to have a team with Brian Dumoulin on it. Well, and – Two things on that. Like one, I think you you're absolutely right that he plays with a level of confidence, and I think that's one of the biggest things that hinders not hinders, but is crucial in development for young NHL defensemen. They they think that they have to completely reinvent their game, 
when they get to the NHL rather than do what made them successful. And John Marino has done the opposite. He has continued to do the things that made him a good defenseman when he played at Harvard. And then the other thing is you brought up the, the, the quarterback thing, the passing, the pocket, leading a guy. Regardless of level, whether it's NHL, AHL, juniors, minor, whatever, when you're teaching passing in hockey, the cliche is the best players put the puck where the guy they're passing to is going to be, not where he is. And that is a huge part of John Marino's game. He puts the passes where the guy he's passing to is going to be, not where he is. And that the one breakdown that you had in the article, the pass to Zach Aston Reese, if you watch it in the in a slower slower motion than you had it broken down, if you watch the trajectory of the puck to where Zach Aston Reese is when John Marino releases the puck, it's going where Zach Aston Reese is going to end up, not where he is. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I'll also point out that, uh, and I rewatched when I rewatched that game, Pat. Uh, there were two instances in the third period where John Marino pinched into the uh, zone to keep a play alive that ultimately resulted in the Bruins icing the puck. So, uh, other minor little things that ultimately I think play a really big role um, in the grand scheme of it. We've got to move on. Go ahead. I was no, saying one last, last he's, final he, note. He's very cerebral. Like he he knows what lanes to fill. He knows where to put the puck. He knows when there's a chance to step in, when there's a chance to pinch, and when he should stay back, and that's incredibly valuable. Um, before, we, before we get to uh, the listeners, taking a quick trip around the National Hockey League, um, how in the hell have the New York Islanders won 10 games in a row? How does this keep happening? Barry Trotz. This is my hell. <laughs> well, uh, they, they are the most Barry Trotz team that's ever Barry Trotz. Well, uh, I'm going to sit here and uh, stare at their fellow uh, New Yorkers, the Buffalo Sabres, and go, hmm, early season 10-game win streak, huh? Yeah, those I can all, do that. Those always result in uh, playoff berths. Does anybody have feelings about the outdoor game uniforms? I love the national uniforms. Okay. I, I like the font a lot. Why don't you kiss them? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're good. Yeah, I think they're good too. We 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 get so wrapped around the axle of like, oh, does it, does it have this element? Like, no, they look cool. They're gonna look good on TV. Well, no, they're gonna look good in person. The, Just fucking the thing deal that with amazes it. me is how everybody's like, I hate them, and then two weeks later they're like, okay, they're fine. Yeah. Just what about Dallas? Again, they're good for for the event, for what they are. They're good. Don't overthink it. Mike, do you have a comment about STDs? No. No. I changed my mind. <laughs> okay. Going to delete that from the rundown next yeah, time, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, the just, Dallas Stids. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this thinking, I mean, wonder what I, that means. I, I, all right. So, so the so, – <laughs> have, have, you, have you seen the uniforms? Yeah. No, flying blind here. Haven't seen them. Come on. I'm I'm sorry, but the what hasn't Pat seen the way the way what? the letters are structured looks like STDs. I'm sorry. 
I'll have to take a closer look at that, Mike. I, you know, the top. Let me hold on. Let me just do a quick Google here. <laughs> hold on. Quick old Google. I was going to try and be an adult and drop it, but it, would that at all be on brand for this show? No. I don't think it would. No, because the R is in there. It, it's there, but it's not there. No, it's it's the clear. I guess I see. I'm not. Because if the R is not there, neither is the T, and then that just means it's but, SDS. But, what does but, that mean? But the whole thing, I just, I don't, I like the colors. Mike, I'm sorry, man. I, I this is a, it's, it's terrible. It's, that was the worst thing you've ever, not, ever said. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about all I, that, but you uh, were very wrong. Hold on, Laura. I want you to mark this down in the dying alive uh, stats as me saying Mike ruined the show. Please mark that in that column. We have not done a dramatic reading. There's moreover, Pat has not done a dramatic reading uh, yet this year. We're going to change that. Uh, I'm I'm personally over Drew Doughty, just personally, in in all facets. I'm over Drew Doughty existentially. But yeah, correct. (laughs) But yeah, uh, but 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 because Pat, uh, we got to keep his skills fresh, Uh, Pat. Uh, I would like you to proceed with your dramatic reading. Yeah, of Drew I, Doughty. I feel, yeah, I feel like Drew Doughty is the perfect person to exercise dramatic readings on. Uh, before I begin, Jesse, yes, I have done a dramatic reading, and this season, and yes, it was for Drew Doughty. So the streak continues. Oh, that's right. No, okay. Well, I see. Now you understand why I forgot about it because I've checked out on Drew Doughty. Ladies and but gentlemen. Nonetheless, I'm not going to distract. I want you to proceed. Ladies and gentlemen, a dramatic reading of yet another Drew Doughty quote. The guy's an idiot that made all that happen. What I was trying to say there is that they're a young team. We're an old team. And we lost the game like eight to one. And that's just ridiculous. For a veteran team. Just standard people making it run. If you guys, you guys, want us to be able to say things and to, you know, be honest with you, then you're going to run with it and just get attacked by it. And if you do that, we're just going to stop talking. Yeah, so Drew. Over. Yeah, Drew. You're the guy who negotiated a contract without an without an agent and made sure to let us all know about it. You're gonna stop talking. Got it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Patrick, please drop the beats. First question is from Eric. I know we've gone over this. Majeski, Majeski. I can't remember. I'm sorry, Eric. Um, That's fine. Specifically for Jesse, since you went Skittles on the last episode, have you tried, and there was a photo of the zombie Skittles? I have not. I have not. I've not tried them. I didn't know that was a thing that existed. Neither did I, but I know Eric's good with, like, um, obscure... Um, sodas, obscure candies, things like that. Okay. Did he give a report on how they were? He did not. It was more, it was just a question. So we'll have to, 
I'm, sh- I'm sure when he listens, well, Aaron, to you're we'll gonna get a report. Here's yeah. the thing, Eric. You're going to have to start thinking this stuff through a little bit better because now I'm going to want to know how they are. And what if I can't find them? You're going to never know. Eric's going to have to send them to you. That's how it's going to work. We're there. That's where we're at. Uh, Casual Friday asks, considering our performance in Boston, should be should we be worried? Uh, I think we should be feeling the antithesis of that, to be completely I, frank with you. I agree. Yeah, we did kind of go over that earlier in the episode. We're 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 okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another Boston game related question from Brad Smith. How much of the Boston game will boil over into the next Boston game on January sixteenth? Um I don't know, man. I, I think it's by that time there'll be something else everybody will be jammed up about. Yeah. It'll be a yeah. foregone. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be a talking point before the game, but I, I don't think anybody's going to care. Yeah. I mean, in the state of how many games will be played between now and then, that's a long, long ways off. Yeah. And there wasn't, it wasn't like there was bad blood or anything that boiled up in that game. It was just a back and forth game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jay asks, how does Pat plan to one up the elf on a shelf this year? Asking for Morgan. We haven't celebrated Thanksgiving yet. I am not answering any Christmas-related questions. Okay, we'll circle back on that one. Uh, Adam Bates asks, what's the best way to stay awake for a game? Asking as living in Manchester, England. That's rough because you got games starting at, like, midnight. Yeah, be midnight, yeah. Coffee's always good. Yeah, I mean, if you drink coffee, maybe get a sugar-free Red Bull. Maybe. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. No, don't do it. I don't even. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Or you know what? You know what's always good? Midday nap. Yeah. That I can get on board with. <clears throat> uh, Plorange asks. So it starts with a statement. The anguished rain of booze at the end of the second period at TD Garden were such an amazing feeling. I agree. I hope that those were that was a feeling in person because I feel like that would have been great. Um, and then asks, what was your best Penguins away game experience? I've only ever seen uh, the Penguins at Nationwide Arena in Columbus. But it was cool. I mean, I, I it actually kind of made me not a believer because I still think it's a little bit lame. But the the cannon in person is pretty cool. I have seen the Penguins at Nationwide Arena also. Um, I was in Toronto for Phil Kessel's return there in the fall of 2015 for a shutout win, which was a lot of fun. I've seen the Penguins road game on Long Island. It was a lot of fun. And I've seen a game in D.C. where the Penguins won, regular season game. They were all fun because the Penguins won all three. I went to a Penguins-Capitals game in 2008, I think. I remember that George LaRock fought someone, and then there was a fight, and then the Penguins scored right as the fight started and it counted. Ryan Malone may have scored, um, but they won. And the, the Capitals fans were, were really big mad about it. So, like, I, just, I love the whole road game experience because especially when you're one of 
like a handful. Sure, it's it's cool to find like you know other people and band together. With yeah, them. like even if if you're in the stands and the Penguins score and you jump up to celebrate and you see some these two other guys way across the section who are also up celebrating, you like you like point at one another and like, yeah, man, we're cool tonight. Yeah, I'll say this too: don't let like social media and bad stories deter you from seeing games on the road because in person people are mostly cool. Like as long as you're not a dick, like it's a fun experience and people will be willing to ask you like, Oh, where'd you come from? Why are you watching the penguins here? Like, are you a Pittsburgh native or like people will actually be curious about why you're at their arena to watch the other team. As, as it should be when you're at a home game and there's visiting fans around you. Yeah. If they're not being assholes, just enjoy it. Uh, Pit Sports Fan asks, does anyone have any game day rituals or superstitions? You know, there was a point long, long time ago, like when I was in college, that we only would drink Moosehead during the playoffs. Moosehead was good. It is. I, was say, I, don't, I don't want to put that past tense. It is good. Because yeah. I, I haven't seen Moosehead in a long time. That's why I said was. I always did the, if I wore a jersey and they won, I'd wear it for the next game or wear it until they lost and then switch. Yeah, I, I kind of did that for a while. Um, he also asks, best place to go for steak? Best place to go for... I, think, I feel like we went I'd over say, this like our, our first I ever I feel like episode. I'd say my house because I cook a good steak. <laughs> gonna take you what up kind, on that soon what kind of steak are you making mike tell me about your steaks what kind of steak do you like no, i want you to tell me about your favorite steak oh. what do you make what's what's the mike steak i like to use a good ribeye on the grill with some potatoes a little broccolini oh damn now how, now how do you how do you how do you prep said steak pump the brakes Two things. One, now we'll let those sit for 10 to 15 minutes till the room temperature. Two, where's the salt and pepper bud? Don't you fucking start S&P, the choice for me. Salt and pepper on the grill. That's it. Um, I'm Look, I'm going to go non-conventional, right? Because people will throw out like Hyde Park. Hyde Park's dope. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. It is what it is. It's kind of expensive, whatever. Um, but to go to Gaucho, man, if you want like yeah, Argentinian-ass yeah. steak, with a fire chimchurri on it. Like it's, yeah. it's not a traditional steak per se, but they make a good steak. Go to Gaucho. Oh. Again, I'm standing for the strip district. Oh. Haters will say that I'm biased. Oh, for, I, whatever. For all my IUP alumni that listen to this show, I don't know where they get their steak from. I don't even know how they make it, but Al Patty's up at IUP on Philadelphia street. So good. He is a whole cow up in Indiana. Uh, they damn near might, but oh, it was so good. Yeah. What else you got, Mike? Um, this is from Harrison Baldwin, directed at Jesse. Oh. I feel like this might be answering something you said a while back. Um, okay, so if I remember correctly, the original question a while back was, what would it take for you to break down the U.S. men's national team? Mm-hmm. Harrison says, I don't have that kind of money, but if I did, I would pay you to break down the men's national team. We got Dest, though, so that's my World Cup win. I don't. I, I, I hate the men's national team with a fiery passion. They're not good. Almost, almost as much as I hate being a West Ham fan right now. <laughs> 
And I was having so much fun just such a short time ago. Started off so well. Yep. Uh, insert P- insert dog in burning room meme. <laughs> uh, P. Turkus asks in regards to the Penguins, does it really matter that we're losing the right way if we keep losing? Right now? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I would say to a point, yes. Like the overtime loss against the Oilers, not as much because it's a non-conference team and you still got a point. An overtime loss against the division team, it's more. This is not a Carolina Hurricane situation from last year. The Penguins are in a much better place in the standings already. Yes. We're not in disaster mode here yet. Well, and it's, it's November. If we if we were talking about this in February, yes, let's start getting worried. Nothing yeah, lasts yeah, forever, Pat. Yeah, they're not Even they're not November well behind. Rain. They're not well behind the eight ball. Relax, Axel. Oh. You want to hear Axel? Oh. What no. <laughs> Who's Alexa's going crazy here? Not, not mine. That was mine. Alexa, play dying alive. We're keeping that in. <laughs> You gonna answer her? Nah, she shut off. Uh, Drew Dunn asks thoughts on dying alive live from PPG, or perhaps a dying alive roadshow. I'm into it. We've we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. It's yeah. an idea. <clears throat> also, uh, Jesse, don't let us forget. We'll keep this in anyway. Mike and I had an idea today. We'll tell you about it after we're done. All right, great. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Uh, <laughs> Tom says, I was wrong about him and glad to see Dominic Cahoon eating up. How many goals and points do you project he gets for this regular season? He's got three, right? Three goals, I mean. Yeah, I'm going to say 14 goals. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably put him about like 10, 15 goals, maybe. 15 goals. I'm going 15 goals. I'm going to take the – I'm going to go the – uh, Price is right method and say for one goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say it? I'd say put him in like forty point range. I mean that that's probably yeah. realistic for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I feel like he's scoring the goals he should be scoring at this point, where he's not as snake bitten as he was. I'd agree with that. Uh, Nate asks, best beer or mixed drink to have on Thanksgiving? Ooh. Hot toddy. It's always I was, good. I was going to say like an apple cider with some rum or some whiskey, maybe a little fireball. You know what's good on in like a, a good fall beer that's very just classic for me is a yangling. A yangling is great in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, always a good time of year for dark beers. Yeah. Uh, Sean Carney asks, now that Game of Thrones is over and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, what's the next big... <laughs> Okay. (laughs) I can't even even read it. What's the next big hype TV show? You know what I'm I'm pumped about, and um, I'm gonna get Apple TV for uh, just the shits and gigs, I guess, because I'm lazy pos. Um, it's free for the first year, like 365 days. Yeah. How do you not how you pass that up? I mean, that's to me. I don't know how it's a sustainable business model, but. Anyway, uh, M. Night Shyamalama, who I generally hate, to be fair, uh, has got this show on Apple TV I saw the preview for today called The Servant. And it looks so good. It looks so freaking weird. Is that is that the one with Jason Momoa or is that a different one? No, that's C. 
That's the, yeah, I saw that one. That one was <clears throat> too bad. Yeah. So they're so they're pretty much going straight at Netflix with their own original series. Yeah, they're going at their throat. Uh, I would say to answer his question, it's probably Watchmen. Like everybody is talking about how good that is, and I need to watch it. I don't really have an answer because I don't really watch anything. Today's uh, today's Stranger Things day. They're starting their readings for season four. I haven't finished season three because I was so disinterested in the first two episodes. I haven't finished season one because I'm a piece of shit. Jesse, you got to, man. It's so good. I'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, D. Coulter asks, can you just read the entire Jesse Marshall article on John Marino out loud? I don't have a subscription to The Athletic. (laughs) It's that's not doable because there's a lot of video involved, and you're not gonna you're not gonna have the visual aid. So it's I, w- I would just say to go ahead and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, do that. And I I don't think we possess the descriptive abilities to narrate the video that Jesse dropped in there. I don't I don't have the mental fortitude to read fourteen hundred <laughs> words out loud. <laughs> At least you admit it. What's your max, Mike? Where do you tap out? <laughs> uh, probably like 250. <laughs> wow, it's way lower than that. Yeah, okay. yeah, I would have lost that over under by a mile. <laughs> Mike got sucked into a conversation today about Marcel Proust, a la recherche. I got, I got sucked into a conversation that was half in French, and I have no idea what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so uh follow up to the last question from lara i'm gonna go to the proust questionnaire for this one what is your idea of perfect happiness <laughs> i didn't i didn't know tonight's episode was going to be existential jesus christ it, it's something sort of like um perfect happiness is, a, is it's a, like happy's vision in uh happy perfect happiness Perfect happiness. <laughs> I was like, I was like, here's say happy vision and not say happy Gilmore. I was gonna say perfect happiness is a perfectly grilled steak. <laughs> Again with the steak. Yeah, it, we know we're climate right. change, Mike over here. <laughs> <laughs> big big ozone hole right above Mike's house. It's true. I've seen it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, there is an actual hockey question. Um, Homest is Jim Rutherford going to have to package with Jack Johnson to make Seattle take him in the expansion draft? <laughs> Probably be a pick. Yeah. Nobody. Which, Nobody. Which, which I think is I think the pick is fitting because Penguins just deal picks like left and right anyway. So like yeah, that, that's that's probably the actual answer if they were to try to do it. But I mean, I, I just I look at the team that or the front office team that. Francis is building in Seattle and they're just going to look at Jack Johnson and go, yeah, nah. Yeah. Um, I think Laura also asked Jesse a question about what's your favorite book. Tough. That's tough. Different seasons by Stephen King. Oh, Oh, that was just for Jesse. Never mind. I mean, I mean, see, here's, here's how I feel. If you answer it, you're going to make me look bad because I don't really read. No, I mean like it's just a dope. It's you know, it's, you know, Stand by Me. Is that a book? The, the movie. Uh, I'm really only talking to Pat here. Yeah. Okay, it came from different seasons. Remember that movie, Apt Pupil? Yes. 
it came from different seasons. Uh, a really good so that book produced like two really freaking good movies. Uh, I would say a really good book for hockey fans to read would be The Boys of Winter. It's by Wayne R. Coffey, and it's all about the 1980 Olympic team, but it doesn't focus too much on the U.S. team so much as it does the Soviets. And there's a passage in it where basically uh, Tretiak looks or yeah, Tretiak looks at Tikhonov and basically says, like, on the plane back to Russia, you fucking lost it for us. So it's a really good read. I think I'm going to read Phil Bork and Josh Yoey's book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have to get that. I'm not, I'm not much of a reader, but I feel like I could read that. Yeah, 250 words at a time. It'll take you about two, two and a half years to finish that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody want to plug anything before we end the show? I would like to plug your John Marino piece because I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> Thank you. I'll uh, but, also plug my John Marino piece. I'd like to plug everybody to start subscribing to The Athletic so they can listen to us more. Yeah. We're going to start doing some subscriber-only shows. Um, so it's just more Dying Alive. Extra Dying Alive. Dying Alive. You think you get enough now, baby? Good you enough. wait until these extra episodes start dropping. You'll be swimming in Pat Damp. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Say goodbye, Pat. See ya. <laughs> Bye, Mike. See ya. Goodbye, everyone.